Welcome to Money for Average Joe's 12-part series on personal finance. I'm your host, Jason Weaver, and as always, I'm an average Joe. Now, episode 12 is all about marketing and the tools that it takes to help you do so, and it's a natural follow-up to bonus episode 4, Make More Money. And in general, we all need to make more money, and sometimes that needs to be a side hustle, or sometimes we get tasked helping build other people's dreams and their businesses, and sometimes we go out and build our own dreams, and we still have to market and get more business and land more clients. Uh, The sad part is basically this is our last episode in the series, and it's the last bonus episode. We covered nine principles for personal finance and three bonus episodes to help you on your own money path. Now, I always pull from the best resources, but this time I had to create a whole book on marketing. It's called Fix Marketer. There's a website, fixmarketer.com. And, you know, some of the great things we're going to cover today are the one-page marketing plan, how to start, how to steal your competitors and others' best marketing strategies, and how to measure results and so forth. It's going to be really awesome. Just as a quick refresher, last episode was episode 11. It was all about investing and it was part two of two. And of course, all these episodes are so you can live better, have more money for when it matters most for you and your family. So diving in, why did I create a book and why did I focus on local small business for this book? Well, essentially, most people will work for a small business, whether they think they're a big business or not. Most people will sell very locally or very regionally, whether they want to sell nationally or internationally as well. And most of these principles can be applied to like big e-commerce companies or others as well. But I find it simpler if we talk about what can a restaurant do, what can a home service professional, a roofer, uh, the plumber, the HVAC guy, all of these services that are definitely harder to outsource for one, um, you know, dog walkers, what can you do Um to basically market and succeed, whether it's your business or somebody else's business and you're wearing multiple hats and you need to be successful. So by vocation, I am an internet marketer. I have my own internet marketing agency and I have started to focus and specialize on those home service professionals. But like I said, all this applies to all these local small businesses and you can take a lot from what you learned today from this one page marketing plan and apply it in your business. Now, Why did I use the word fix for fix marketer? Well, it stands for framework, identity, and X factor. Okay, so let's dive into the framework. I'm gonna go through it really fast and then we'll talk about identity X factor and even a little bit of having a dashboard so you know whether you succeed or not. So it took me, you know, 10 years of basically marketing to decide if I'm doing an online marketing, you know, strategy slash system, slash framework for somebody, then I'm going to start with online reviews. And I think that's where a lot of people look to and start with anyways. It helps grease the wheels. It makes people feel more comfortable. You can show them off on your website. You can also, you know, they can be on all sorts of other sites like Google and Facebook. They can bring you business. It's a great way to help individuals refer more business to you because they wrote a review and now the whole internet are their friends, essentially, instead of just their tight local small circle. So I focus on having a strategy for getting reviews. And then there's tons of places that will serve you business or leads up on a platter, basically for a transactional price. So buying business or buying leads is the next one. And then of course, there's paid search, you know, Googles and Bings of the world 
people are basically typing in exactly what they want and you can show up with exactly what they want for a certain price. Now, most people eventually will get a website. Lots of people have decided just to have a Facebook page. I think it's very short-sighted, but for very small local businesses, maybe, uh, especially if you're just doing dog walking or something like that, it may make sense not to have a website at all. You might be completely booked or once you get your your whole docket of business that you can handle, you're getting reoccurring revenue and it's coming in and you can't do any more unless you add more people uh, to the mix, right? Have employees or 1099 workers doing stuff for you. So after website, I do think social media matters, but you know, a lot of people do like to talk about social media and start on social media and only do social media, but that's, you know, social media should definitely be after reviews and potentially buying leads from other places, maybe even paid search, right? So it might only move up one or two spots in the row of, you know, planning and execution, but it's really important. And when I talk social media, I usually talk about social media ads and the strategy you use, the hook to convince somebody to take the next step, um, not so much the just posting junk for posting junk sake, especially because the Facebooks of the world and the Instagrams and all of them now are a pay to play situation. It is possible to get some business from people seeing it naturally or organically, but for the most part, it's pay to play. Now, most people love free search. A lot of people call that SEO, search engine optimization. And I put it so far on the back burner because Google and others are getting so good at knowing what people want. And that's been overplayed so many times. And people, you know, hear the idea of like, okay, if I am a pizza restaurant, then I need to say that 50 times on my page. And that's just not true. There's so many, so much misinformation. And there's so much, especially for a local business, to get you to show up in that Google Maps, you know, section that shows up in search results. Um, and most of it's natural, have good reviews, have a close by location, uh, mention the right category you actually do, mention that you are a pizza restaurant in that area on your on your page, have a menu, very basic, simplistic things. There are a couple of tips and tricks, and we'll cover a few here in a minute. And, uh, you know, X factors, like I mentioned before, things to take it to the next level. But essentially, people way overdo that all the time. And then people ignore this so much, but offline or non-digital or uh, digital, but maybe maybe like email is starting to fit in that category because it's becoming a little more old school or older. There's so many things you can do on that end that don't cost a lot of money um, from referral business, referral strategy, to email marketing, to billboards, to radio, to other stuff, um, networking that you can do to, to get more business and, and get your business in front of them as well. And then kind of all that was the framework. And then when I talk with any business, I suggest that you have an identity, a reason of being more than just we serve pizza or we are a roofer. Uh, you know, how we do what we do, how fast we do what we do, how easy we do what we do for you, um, you know, and we'll go into depth in that. And then, of course, you should have a dashboard with what I call key performance 
indicators, uh, KPI. So how do I measure back to the source of my marketing efforts? You know, was it reviews that brought the business? Was it paid search that brought the business? Was it social media? Of course, they all interact and they all overlap, but that's just usually poor marketing excuses if you can't attribute a large portion, if not 100% of where your business comes from back to the source, okay? So that is Fixed Marketer. And I just want to say, you can go to fixedmarketer.com right there in the little chat window. You can message me and I'll have my automated robot share the free book with you. It's only 200 pages. So it's not too, you know, less than 200 pages actually. So it's not that intimidating. There's a lot more visuals you can see uh, in there. I have a one page marketing plan. And then of course on, you know, money for average Joe's in episode 12, I actually have the one page marketing plan as a blank one page and as a filled in one page for a fictional business, what you might say, this is what we're going to do. And it's got all the, what I call the baseline factors, plus those X factors that take it to the next level. So check that out. So let's talk about online reviews. You should get them at Google. If you're a local business, Google maps and Facebook. All right. If you're wondering where else you should get them, do some Googling in your local market, do some Googling in other markets and look for what sites show up. Is it Yelp showing up? Are you a restaurant? Are you a hotel? Is it home advisor? You know, is there some other website, but always Google Facebook and then maybe one or two other industry specific sites. It should not be difficult for you to identify which one you need to be getting reviews on. Okay. So now, you know, I need to get reviews, but I don't get enough either good reviews naturally, or I just don't get enough reviews in general, or I don't get enough reviews to bury all those bad reviews to actually show people how good my business is. I know it's not a three-star you know, business, but I only have two reviews. So of course, one super negative review shows up really poorly. Now I talked about having X factors and baseline factors and those baseline factors keep getting higher as, as in this is an expectation from the average consumer that you will respond to every review. Okay. That is an expectation. It's a baseline factor. It's something you need to do. Now, if you're struggling to give out getting notifications of when you get a review, or having the time to reply, though there's apps out there and both Facebook and Google have uh, an app. I think Facebook pages uh, and Google places, something like that, or my business. They keep changing the names all the time. It's not hard to get the notification. If you use the app, it's not even hard to reply to the review, okay? And of course, in my book, I cover more in depth of how to reply to positive and negative reviews. Definitely don't throw people under the bus and blame them. You're re replying to that review on behalf of all the people, on behalf of your business, but for all the people that are reading that review more than the person that is involved in that specific situation. Okay. So don't say crazy things on there. Don't make people angry. Now, as far as X factors go, if you can convince all of your um, customers that leave a review to mention what service they received, what product they purchased, those sorts of things. That's, that's a keyword. That's a word that a robot or, uh, you know, Google's AI artificial intelligences can pick up on and associate with your business. And so I have this constantly with my home service companies that I work with, my garage storage experts as well. They may do two, three, five, seven, ten, twenty different 
things, okay? But Google, when you when you go into your Google business places and stuff, uh, will only let you put in so many categories. And on top of that, they'll only believe so many categories. So if you do roofing and plumbing and HVAC and remodeling and repairs and, 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 which I have clients like that, the only way Google's really going to put any clout towards that is your reviews start saying that's what you received, okay? And if you do way too many things, you might have to rebrand or have a second website. So, I don't know. There's, I don't want to go into all that. We can talk about that another time if you reach out to me. I do consult anybody on their business, whether it's a big e-commerce business, because I've worked for $20 million a year in, in gross sales companies doing e-commerce. I know that's not as much as a lot of companies, but still way more than most people can dream of in their first few years. And I've worked for very small companies, local service companies that still do two, three, four million dollars, one million, five hundred thousand, you know, the whole gambit, right? So I know this applies to everybody. And I've given advice for restaurants and other local businesses as well. So the whole gambit there, guys. But also, when I ask people for reviews, um, I ask them to include a picture. Now, you know, you, you think of the Amazons out there, like you can include videos and pictures, but Google allows you to include a picture in your review. Um, also, I, I don't know if I've iterated on this enough. I, I don't think I mentioned just you have to ask everybody for feedback, okay? And some people choose to put what's called a net promoter score or or a gate in the middle of that and say, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to refer us or come back or how happy are you? And they ask that over and over and over again. It's not very personalized and the focus is not getting reviews, but it does help you identify if somebody was unhappy or they were, you know, like with a doctor's office that I randomly helped one time that they were still unsure about the diagnosis that happened. And so obviously you wouldn't want them to leave a review, but for the most part, if you're like a service company and you're interacting with them, you should see in their face if they're happy, if you're physically there, right? And so you shouldn't ask anybody that's completely unhappy to leave you a review. But that being said, having a perfect 5.0 review, in my book, I go into that, just it's, it's not the best thing for your business, not as believable, right? And I'm spending a, in a big amount of time talking about reviews, not only because it's the first in the framework, but because people just do not spend enough time here, okay? So for a garage storage professional that comes in, organizes your garage, does your floors, installs cabinets, shelving, overhead storage, lifts, all this cool stuff like some of my clients I have or garage door professionals where the the door opens and they, they can do cool stuff, put windows in it and apps that do all sorts of cool stuff and lighting in there and heaters and all the lifts for your car and everything you could possibly imagine. Right? So for them, my setup for them, and this isn't perfect for everybody is basically their technician at the end of the day or their office person at the end of the day, they go and put in uh, into an online form that I create for them. They just put in the first name of the customer, the email of the customer, and the phone number of the customer. And the customer instantly receives a text and email from that human being that they've interacted with, okay, from their individual email. This is a big deal because there's not softwares doing this, in my opinion, and from a local area code. And it includes a picture of that person from that text, that they're getting and it asks for feedback, all right? But the focus is a review. I can put in all those other 
you know, gates like everybody else wants, but the focus in my opinion needs to be reviews. And if you're getting a lot of bad reviews, then you're doing bad business, take care of that. And then you don't need the gate, right? But people don't focus on a key performance indicator of how many people do I ask versus how many people actually leave the review. Now there's some things outside your control where Google or Yelp is, are filtering a lot of reviews and there's ways to get around that that I can talk about another time or you can read my book. But essentially, if you're asking nobody, you get no reviews. You ask a lot of people, but they don't leave a review, then you're asking either wrong or you're not following up. So they get this text, they get this email and ask for feedback. They click on a link and it says, you know, leave a review here at Google, leave a review here at Facebook. We'd love to see an image as well. And please mention the services you received. And if you're a high touch local service business and you're getting 50% of people to do that after texting and emailing them and then two days later or some follow up period later, you're asking one last time and saying, thanks again for working with us. We'd love to you know, get more business like yourself. Then you're getting a higher ratio of people leaving a review. You're doing the best you can there. And, you know, on top of that, you're doing an X factor that's getting those pictures, the keywords and the reviews and every review you get might be counting two or three or four times as much as your competitor getting one or two reviews with no pictures and no keywords. And they, they are only, you know, relying on the reviews that come in naturally or some automated crappy system that only works with volume because you're asking a hundred people and one person leave the review, like your dentist office, just talk to a friend where he will take his kids in every six months and then he'll get nine. <laughs> How was your experiences all at the same time? If you think through that, not a great experience for people. So reviews, hopefully that's logical. I'm going to go through the other framework factors a lot quicker, but don't start anywhere, but getting online reviews. All right, let's move through the buying leads or buying business and paid search together quickly. So when I go do such as a Bing or Google search, right? And I only mentioned Bing because it's got a little bit of market share out there, but Google's, Google's the deal. That's where most people are starting their searches for most things, maybe e-commerce wise, if they know they want to buy a specific product, more percentage of people are starting to start their search on such sites as Amazon, right? But for local businesses, still Google's king. And when you Google some things like uh, roofer in your area, or you're looking for garage storage or garage cabinets or flooring in the area, what comes up? Okay, if the first few results are home advisor or next door or house or some site, then go see if you can one, get on that site, and then two, look at the options for buying leads. Now, my father, for example, owned a concrete outdoor resurfacing business for a short period of time. He realized that that was not very fun and he even started pouring concrete for a while. He realized that is a really tough job and didn't do it for super long. But there was a year where HomeAdvisor or these sites that, you know, you pay per lead, maybe they sell those leads to multiple people. Not ideal for you per se, right? But if you, if you run your business like a machine and you make it easy for people to schedule, you follow up with people, you have a good system going on in your sales process, you can make money buying those leads, right? Now, one year he did well, he wasn't as on the ball as I thought he should be. He wasn't on this ball, on the ball getting reviews as I thought he should be, but he did well. He analyzed it, he looked at the report and said, oh, okay, basically here's the leads that came in, here's the ones I sold and here's how much money, here's how much I spent, made sense. The next year he analyzed it, didn't make sense, so he canceled it. So with everything, 
make sure it makes sense. But one thing that's really cool is Google for local home service businesses, especially, unfortunately not for restaurants, but who knows one day they might do that. You can do um, basically where you pay per lead through that. And uh, they've changed the name several times, like home. Uh, it's probably local services or something like that. Google local service ads, you know, just Google that, see if it comes up. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. I'm not going to talk about all those hoops, but for some businesses, you'll see that it, the, the best way you can tell if the Google result is this thing I'm talking about for you. Uh, and what makes Google's leads better is the fact that they're actually um, exclusive. So they're contacting you, whereas Home Advisor, some of these others, they're contacting three or four companies, and then you're all fighting. Um, so that's kind of cool of Google. You can tell the difference because it will say something like Google guaranteed at the top of the search results. Okay, so under that, or in most situations for most categories of products or services, is going to be what's called Google ads. Okay. And with those ads, you can either do what are called more advanced campaigns, or when you go to set up Google ads, it will basically walk you through and kind of try to directly guide you into what's called um, smart campaigns. Okay. And that's going to use machine learning and other stuff to be really smart, really helpful for you. You're going to select a couple of small settings like this geography, this category of product, and you're going to put in the name of your business. You're going to associate it with your existing reviews and Google business um, listing that you have in general. You're going to put in a certain dollar amount per month that you're willing to spend. Google is going to tell you to spend more. You're going to push a button and it's going to go and do its thing. And one of the few things you can do is see what words you're showing up for and pause some of them. And you can also add some new ads. Now advanced, typically you're going to need somebody else like myself that's been doing it for years to go in there and help you. You can of course try, but most people don't succeed. That's why the smart campaigns are a good way to start because they're so simplistic and easy. And Google's worked in so many cool tools over the last few years. You can even track phone calls, for instance, through the system. And now you got a list of here's all the people that have called you based on these ads. And you can do like what my dad did and compare and contrast. Did it make me enough money? Did it, was it justifiable? And continue to do that. Okay. So people are very intimidated by this. You should be able to start some smart campaigns and or, you know, buy some leads without having somebody hold your hand. Google's really good at walking you through it. And of course, if it does well, you can contact somebody like myself or another internet marketing agency or a student that just you know got a certification is ready to go and you can get some affordable help there and generate more business, which is really great. People always get their websites wrong. Okay. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. So in order to basically help you understand this, let's put ourselves in the shoe of a 45-year-old man and wife couple that are looking to get a bathroom remodeled. Now they go online and they do some searching and they're going to see sites like Home Depot and Lowe's, the do-it-yourself options. They're going to see sites like Home Advisor that are saying compare and contrast, read the reviews and contact a professional to have it done. They're going to possibly see your business ad. They're going to see some of your competitors ads, right? Uh, they might see a Google Maps kind of thing show up and say, here's the local professionals in your area that claim to do bathroom remodeling or remodeling in general. And they might be able to read some reviews. Underneath all that, they might see some specific websites show up. And the 
quote unquote free areas or search engine optimization areas, right? Organic. So a lot of times in that scenario, it's going to be like the Home Depots and Lowe's again, or Home Advisor or Yelp that are comparing multiple options for people. Okay. Sometimes you might see a local website down there, but for the most part, you're going to see the local business websites in the map sections, the ad sections, and the guaranteed at the top sections, right? So one of the things I love to do is go look in my area, go look in bigger markets that are more competitive and go look for alternative categories uh, such as just general remodeling or, you know, learn from the plumbers, even though we do roofing and say, what are some of the things these people are doing? What do I like on their websites? And when I view their websites, I also view them as a mobile device because most people are now using their mobile devices to view and navigate and fill out forms and then click the call buttons. There's just more people looking on mobile devices than on desktops, okay? And when you do that, you'll notice some things. And when you actually go through this scenario, such as those people do, you'll say, okay, budget's a concern. You know, they wanna know how much is this gonna cost or what's the range or what are the differences between the costs? I found some websites where actually they'll put price ranges for certain bathroom remodels or remodeling pro projects. I found websites where for the carpet cleaner, you can book the appointment right there on the website without talking to the individual, or you can add to cart multiple things or services to be done. When you put yourself in the shoe of that customer, when you go and look in different markets, different categories, and in your own market, you will uncover the more you make the next step for the customer easy and also include the information that they want to know, such as how long will it take before you can get out and you know re redo my garage, right? Or redo my garage door. You know, I, sometimes people have a claim in their own business name, like I saw this the other day, same day garage door. That is a bold claim. We can get out there same day and replace your garage. Now, of course, it's not true because most likely during the summer, they're booked out three or four days or a week or two weeks or a month. But on the day they set it up, they're going to get out there and they're going to do it on that day. Okay. So not always is it completely accurate or it's only accurate part of the year. Who knows, right? But from how you run your business to how you answer the questions they have from pricing to how you make it easy for them to take the next step to knowing that sometimes that 45 year old uh, couple is looking at seven o'clock at night and they know that you're not available to having a good contact form that doesn't have a hundred million questions or at least says, here's the next steps that are going to happen, right? To having on your website where it actually shows your review rating, the number of reviews you have, potentially you click that button and they can read the reviews there without going to Google Maps. And they know it's legitimate because you didn't delete all of the one-star reviews on your own website because you're just showing the reviews from other people's websites, the more they're going to fill out that form, contact you. I've seen this also on other sites where it says call or text. Now, do you think the younger generation wants to call and have a weird, awkward conversation or be sold? Sometimes no. 
All right. So you got to pay attention to these things. Should I make it available for them to chat me? Should I make it available for them to call or text me? Should I make it available for them to directly book the plumbing appointment on the website? Should I have a coupon? Should I not have a coupon? Why do all my competitors have a coupon? Or should I call it the fact that my competitors are having callbacks or huge outrageous upcharges like in plumbing? And we don't do that. We just have a $95 an hour rate. And we don't hide anything from from you, right? Yes, sometimes we'll have to come and do a callback. That's just the way it goes. But we're not going to have these outrageous prices. So there's different ways to, in the book I talk about this, have a better identity. And that really shows through very well on your website. But there's also some really good rules of thumb. Look good, make it simple on a, a mobile device, but load super fast, like three seconds or under, okay? You need that site to load super fast. You need to have ethical reasons for them to trade their contact information for something in return. Now, if you're a local business, you can give away something free or cheap or have a low price offer. A friend of mine decided he wanted to do a cleaning business. He just put out on Facebook and he had a lot of friends and, and whatnot. He put out on Facebook, hey, I'm cleaning toilets for $5. He got a ton of people that said, yes, come over, clean my toilet for $5. All right. Is he going to make any money at that? Possibly because he cleans toilets pretty dang fast and his employees does too. But where is he going to make the money? He's going to upsell them on letting us come and do that or clean the whole bathroom, not just the toilet. So if you have a unique offer, if you do something worth mentioning, if you're the dentist that even does the free dental day once, then you have some unique things worth showing. Being A plus uh, BBB rated, uh, having good reviews around the website and showcasing them. But in the book, I give examples of like layouts of websites, good examples from different categories of businesses. And of course, things will change over time. But know this, if you're giving the customer what they want, making the next steps easier and helping them understand pricing uh, steps, any of those sorts of things, then your website's going to accomplish something. Most people do it wrong. Most people say a good looking website is the same as every other website. Now in the book, I created a awesome formula. It's too much to really outline here, but it really helps you, you see that essentially there's several leverage points when it comes to marketing and having your website or your ad or something like that be a linchpin in the step process for them to buy from you. So if you track back from the revenue and say, oh, I made $5,000, uh, from Joe and Joe came in on my website and Joe got there because of my Google ad that I was running or he got to my website because of my social media ad or, you know, whatnot. And you track like your sales process, like you can really start to see stuff. Not only can you say I spent, you know, $500 this month on Google ads, you can say I made $5,000 in sales because I closed the, the deal from Joe. And with this formula that I have, you can see like if I can convince more people that come to my website to contact me or that they're higher quality because I educated them by giving them starting at $2,000 or a price range or a price per hour, or I allowed them to add to cart the things that they wanted, or I allowed them to schedule directly without talking to me or allowed them to text me so that they can make the next steps and be more comfortable, 
then you can increase the number of people that contact you or the quality of those customers, the likelihood that they'd buy. And then you can, of course, work on your sales process, close more deals that way, or close those deals at a higher average sale, right? So maybe that $5,000 that I got from Joe is my average, but sometimes I get $10,000 and sometimes I get 2,500, right? And if you can tweak that number in your favor, and get it up to $6,000 now, you can afford to spend more money to acquire a customer, or you can spend less marketing dollars to still hit your overall sales goals. I know that's a lot to take in. You need to see the formula that I created for you, the tool that I created so you can play for it, play with it. But if you can basically get the golden three, higher quality of customer slash more people contacting you, better sales process, so that you not only get more of those people to the next steps, you close more deals and you close them on the third thing of a higher average sale because you're providing more value or higher value, maybe not for everybody, but for some of your customers, because part of your sales process processes are upselling them on the nicer tile in the bathroom that they're going to have installed or something else like that, right? Something unique that they might like or some extra value, then you have then you've basically figured out this marketing thing. Not only can you basically turn on the faucet to get more business in the door, you've now me meshed that with your sales process or the next steps in such a way that you make more money on average and you close more deals and you get more people in the door. Those big three, if you can do all that, then your website does what it needs to do. Then your marketing does what it needs to do. And people just, they get overwhelmed. Where do I start? Well, like I said, back on reviews. But then when you're sending traffic or people to your website, why not make it better? Make it so that they get what they want. And better means more sales, more people contacting you or high quality of people contacting you. So I mentioned have a better, less complicated form. Well, maybe actually force them to put in their address. If you're doing a big bathroom remodel, you'll get less people filling it out, but more of them are committed. So play with it. There's no silver bullet, but if you can control all three of those amazing factors by basically putting yourself in the shoes of the customer and putting on the website what they need and making it load fast and look good on mobile, you figured out websites, you figured it out, you're pretty dang smart, and it's way less complicated than people make it sound. So I just want to apologize. I guess I lied. I'm not going very fast through these, but that's because I'm so patient, uh, passionate, not patient. <laughs> Hopefully you're the one that's being patient. So let's talk about social media. Basically, when people have come to your website or, or express interest in some other way, and you get thousands of those people a month coming to your website, it's really easy for you to do what's called remarketing, where somebody came to your website and now you have them basically tracked or earmarked so that when they go spend time on Facebook or YouTube or somewhere else, you can then show them an ad and try to get them back and stay what we call in the marketing space, top of mind, where they're, when they're in the buying window, uh, they're, they're keeping their mind on you as the place, or at least putting you in the, the final decision making factors um, to buy from you, right? But most local businesses can't even get a thousand people a month to their website. So that makes it, there's some workarounds and we can talk about that another time, but that makes it really hard to do remarketing. So in the book, I call the other ad campaigns, but mostly finder campaigns where nobody's expressed any interest in your product, but you kind of understand your customer a little bit. So you're going to make some 
hypothesis or guesses about who that customer is. And you're going to show them your best foot forward, AKA ads, and you're going to see if they're going to raise their hand by clicking or filling out a form or taking another step or interacting with your video or however you want to look at it. You're going to see if they're going to raise their hand, just like if they were on Google and they searched something, that's them raising their hand saying, I want to buy pizza in this area, or I want to buy bathroom remodeling, or I want to buy a garage makeover. And if you're getting them to raise their hand by taking action on Facebook or on Instagram or on YouTube, then you know that they're interested and they're worth pursuing further, right? And so say they've raised their hand and they filled out the form, now that's in the sales hands. That's something you can do, right? So let me just give you an example. I have been helping some garage storage professionals recently do some ads. And I really want to have a video of them standing in front of a garage that they just finished or is about to be finished and them saying, hey, I'm in the area. Uh, this is what we're doing. I would love to give you a quote. Check this out. Here's here's the floor. Here's the shelving. Here's the cabinets. You know, blah, blah, blah. Anything like that. 25 seconds or less. Doesn't make you don't need professional doesn't need anything like that. I've seen roofers do that on top of a roof with people banging in nails and they're saying they're getting crazy amounts of leads. That's what I'd want. But because my my clients are older, they're just less comfortable doing that. So for the most part, they'll give me before and after photos. They'll give me maybe a quick video, but it's just a panorama of what they did in the garage. That's great. But for now, I've been able to take maybe like an ad where it's essentially I take like a review off of Facebook or Google and I have the words at the top. Then I have an image of the new, you know, garage that was remodeled. Or I went and used a cool tool called Canva.com, which can be free if you're smart and upload all your stuff or it can be very cheap because you're you're using stock imagery. Um, so you upload your photos and I'd make like maybe like four squares of photos instead of using Facebook's tool to like have multiple photos that they have to scroll through, um, just different ways to stand out there, right? Or show off what they did. Or I use a tool like company cam app where it will automatically take both images and create a before and after image. And I'll use that in the ad. And then I'll have a heading that says something like, is that, you know, you ready for a garage remodel or is this the time for a garage remodel or do you want a garage that looks like this? Sometimes it will be questions. Sometimes it won't. But most of the time I'll have like, you know, like if it's a review, like I just mentioned before, it will be like something from the review. Like these guys are great to work with. And then I'll have what's called an emoji. So it's a visual image that represents something. And so I'll have like five emojis for five stars representing the fact that the review was five stars. Right. And so that will be like the contents of the ad. It will be, you know, what the review said, and it will have the, the five emojis of stars, and it will have a nice little title, and it will have a nice little image. And what's more importantly, I'll step back from that, and uh, I'll have what's called a campaign for lead generation. So the little call to action or button at the bottom right that they click will say get quote, or sign up, or call now, or something like that. If it says learn more, then that's how you know people don't know what they're doing as far as a Facebook ad. I'm sorry. Learn more is dumb. Do not use learn more, okay? With Facebook, they'll allow you to create a 
a lead generation ad in that scenario where you can actually have a form filled out. Sometimes you can you can choose to have a message where they just message you on Facebook and you start a conversation. You can even make it as cool as they message you and you keep asking questions, but it's a robot asking the questions. So you could take the same contents of the form, like how soon are you hoping to get this done? How much, what's your budget range? You know, uh, you know, you could even share like, here's where my calendar is, go ahead and book a time. And it could all be automated if you wanted it to be. This is where people get completely like overwhelmed. All right, look at it from the customer standpoint. I see a beautiful garage. I want that. I'm going to raise my hand by hitting get quote. And then I'm going to tell you who I am, where I live, how soon I want to get it done. And I'm going to click that button and I am now a qualified lead. I can take that from the salesperson's perspective. Say you're a restaurant. You can say buy one, get one. But you have to say Facebook only offer must, you know, sign up now or subscribe to get it. Now you've got their contact information, you've got their email, or you've got their name, email, and phone number. So you can text message market them. You have a slow day. You can say, hey, I would love to have, you can say, hey, here's this special, come in today only. And now your slow day is a busy day. Or like my friend that does a pizza restaurant, he splits his, his text message marketing up into sections where he'll send it in to one third or one fifth of all the people that are on his list that he's purchased or gotten because they came in store because he has a, a good point of sale system at, you know, at his store. Um, he'll collect the, that information or they'll sign up for the loyalty program. He'll contact just one fifth of them and he'll have a non-slow day on Monday and they'll contact another fifth and he'll have a non-slow, you know, deal on Tuesday and I'll have it, you know what I mean? So he'll use the tools of marketing to get direct access to talk with these customers and take them to the next step, which is my best opinion of social media. Yeah, there's a lot you can do from social posting, but when you do a ad and you use the awesome tool called Facebook Ad Manager, okay, that's where you, instead of boosting a post, which is what Facebook tries to shove down your throat all day long, naturally, if you use Ad Manager, you can then control that, you know, that call to action, that button, like get quote, okay, super critical. Now you can step one step back from that. When you create a campaign, you have to basically declare, I want it to be a get quote campaign. You have to add budget to it. You have to have what's called an ad set. Okay. Um, in Google AdWords terms, it'd be like ad group. Okay. And then you have to declare like, I want all the rich people. So income earners top, you know, 50% and up inside Charlotte, North Carolina, and I want them to be male and female, 45 years of age and older, and that's it. Or you can play with different things. They've had to have lived in this large region of the area, and they've had to express that they like this certain page, or they're interested in this certain thing, right? So you can add through, you know, probably five or less of those, those things, in my opinion, to make what's your hypothesis of old rich people in this area are who I need to go after, right? But you can, of course, try that. And then you could try a different one, a different campaign with a different ad set where you're targeting a different group of people, okay? And say, maybe I should open it up or maybe I should only have 55 and older, right? You can play with these different things to see what works, but people get overwhelmed because, yeah, I just basically mentioned 30 things that you have to make a decision on. But I just gave you an example of what works 
for a garage company. And it was rich people in a certain area, male and female, certain age and older. And uh, we showed them review ads, right? But you could also have an ad where the customer stands in front of their happy garage holding a big business sign, uh, business card of yours, but it's blown up so they can actually read the phone number, read the business, and the customer's smiling. And you could do that, or you could have a video of yourself in front of it. People get, they overthink this too much. If it works, it makes you money, just keep doing it. One thing I have to warn you with like Facebook and Instagram, you just need to have multiple ads and try new ads all the time. Okay. People get what's called ad fatigue or ad frequency where it's too high. They've seen that same ad too many times and they're not willing to respond or you burned out that, that, uh, essentially audience because you've hit them up too much, right? But people come in and out of their interests and now they have money and now they're like, oh man, I just got this stimulus package from the government. What should I do with it? You know, and your ad can be there and they raise their hand and they take the next step. Now I mentioned YouTube because you don't even have to create a video to do YouTube ads, but you're, in my opinion, dumb if you don't, right? But there's all these other social media networks that are going to pop up or be better in the future, like next door or who knows what's going to be amazing in the future, but you just have to go out there and look. I love social media because Facebook recently came out with what's called Facebook ad library or ads library. I always forget if it's an S or not, but just Google it, click on it and search. So I would search garage door, garage floor or remodeling or bathroom. And I can see all the ads that are currently running out there on the internet if I click on an individual business and they have ads showing. So that's the downside. They, they It used to be a little easier, but whatever. How cool is it to know that people are paying money for this advertisement? And use the same thing I mentioned before on websites and paid search. Go look around other markets, other categories, see what people are doing, take what you like, give it a try, see if it works in your market. Uh, and YouTube... If you can make some videos, it's the cheapest way to get video in front of a small region. I know Hulu just came out with an option for you to do local regional ads. And I think it starts at $500. You've got Spotify that's got um, lower prices, I guess, the ability to do small campaigns for certain regions. But your Pandora's and your Disney Pluses and your other uh, I don't know, millions of other options don't usually have any local uh, way for you to do regions, or if they do, they start at like $2,000 or up or a huge pain in the butt. But um, YouTube has always been the gift that people underutilize. And then Instagram and Facebook are just the gift that keeps on giving as far as success goes with advertising. So I always recommend it. All right, let's talk about free search, you know, typically search engine optimization. And then we'll talk about offline as well, because I don't have a lot to say about offline. So essentially, if you see a business and they show up on like a Google search and they show up in the maps area of a Google search where it's like, okay, here's the three or the 10 businesses nearby. Okay, that's happening for a couple of reasons. One, you've got good reviews. Two, your address is not too far away from the searcher. Three, uh, you've got the right categories, you know, four, you've got the right words on your website, five, you've got people talking about your business such in such a way that they link to you, other social people or, uh, or other websites, okay? People, people 
way overthink this idea of link earning or being on all these directories. When you want to be on all the directories, just have accurate and complete information. There is something called the local search ecosystem. You can look it up if you're interested, but essentially all information online comes from somewhere. If you have a Verizon business number, somebody's selling that information out to the world and then it's traveling all over the place or Google got your information and your address moved and you didn't update it. It's going all over the place, all right? So you've got to go to these main aggregators of the information. you got to get your categories corrected, your address corrected, your right phone number, get it correct everywhere. It's basically check off the box, okay? Yeah, the internet believes I am where I am. I do what I do, and I do a good job, okay? Boom, search engine optimization for the most part. On your website, biggest mistake I forgot to mention is people just don't even have a page for every service they offer. So if they're doing bathroom remodeling, you got to have a page called bathroom remodeling, and it's got to answer all the frequently asked questions. It's got to have all that sort of stuff going on it. And that's what we call on-site optimization on your website, something you control, something you can put out there, right? You can link from one page to another on your site. Like you could have a general remodeling page and it can link to the five other types of now patio remodeling or whatever. And, uh, you know, that just makes common sense. But on the page itself, you might use the word remodeling three times totally or bathroom remodeling three times. Don't overuse it. OK, like read the book to get some great examples, but you can have on page. And then I've already mentioned off page people linking to you or talking to you about your business. Right. And most people get that completely wrong because they don't do anything exciting or relevant. I mentioned the dentist that gives away free dental care once a year for the the impoverished people. He can either go to the newspaper and get that word out there, or he can pay money on social media or contact all those, these different influencers to get the word out. But once the word's out there, Google can see that. Bing can see that, and they're going to attribute value to that. Okay. You can, uh, you can, of course, write stuff on your website, but unless it's super awesome, like the 101 things to do inside Boise City uh, at Christmas time, it's probably not going to carry much value, okay? So you, if you have a boring business, you might have to do the free dental day to actually get people to want to mention you. There are tools out there to measure how authoritative your website is, and I look to places like uh, SEO Moz, for some of that, but there's, uh, I guess they just call it Moz now, but I'm so old, I guess <laughs> when it comes to internet marketing, 10 years now, I'm one of the old, old fogies in it, but, uh, there are tools out there and there are ways to compare and contrast and, and even look up, you know, uh, site explorer, I think by Moz is a free tool that you can see at least the first little bit of, you know, who's linking to your competitors. Can you get them to link to you? So there's, there's, X factors that you can do, but for the most part, you know, some people do it wrong. They get on the wrong directories or go to bad directories, or they get a lot of mentions to their website, but they're, you know, only mommy bloggers talking about them and they don't have any new local news or they don't have, you know, any variety or the authority of the sites of the people that are mentioning them either aren't local or they're national, but they have low authority or they're all national and they have high authority as far as uh, authority goes. There's ways to measure it, like I said, with Moz. So people overthink it. I say just do something amazing 
check off the boxes. I'm in all the right directories. They believe who I am, what I do, and they do it well, and I'm located. Have an address in the city if that's what you want to do to get free clicks or business. But just know Google's number one goal is to make everything paid. So you may go through all this effort and get a second location, whether you even actually allow people to come to your door or not, which is a little bit of a gray area, by the way, with Google. Um, and you may never even get much business from that because there's 10 or so results above you from ads, right? Or they're all looking on mobile devices and the top four results that are paid are the only ones people are even considering. Now, I still think a high percentage of people click on the maps and so it typically is worth it. But if you're not willing to put in the effort to get reviews at that extra location, then it's not worth having an extra location. And in the future, Google's probably going to say, if you don't have your own secretary or hours or people can actually come into the store and signage that they can see when they drive by with their their car that maps all the roads, then you're not a legitimate business. Who knows? But for the most part, you need to understand people are lazy and they understand also costs increase the further the person is away. So if I'm in, you know, Beaverton, Oregon, it might be better for me to pick a Beaverton, Oregon company to come do my security system than it is for me to pick a Portland, Oregon company to do it. Or, you know, if I'm a pizza place, and I'm one city over, why would I show up in the city next door when somebody searches for pizza? It may just never make sense, okay? So I always tell people, look at the formula I was talking about back when I talked about websites and see, can you make numbers make sense before you even start some marketing that you do? And uh, you know what type of return do you need to justify doing this advertising or to be in business, right? And so... This is where kind of offline comes in, in my opinion, because everybody wants free clicks. But if you want really cheap or affordable business, you can totally have an, a monthly email newsletter uh, or weekly. You could totally have a referral program where people refer and get paid a percentage based on that referral. Or a, you know, a lot of people are calling influencer marketing nowadays. You can have different businesses. I mean, people just don't even think this through. Like, I finally met a roofer that understood this. Okay, there's all these assessors and there's all these different um, people that give out insurances and they don't necessarily know all the laws or the rules or when the roof needs this or that to be up to code or they don't know all those things. So you could take them to lunch and you can explain them. You can send them videos they can send to their customers. When a hailstorm happens, you can educate them. Uh, and be their friend and they can refer business to you. Typically, I think they have to mention two or three businesses, especially like real estate. They have to mention two or three businesses or else it, it, they could legally get in trouble. But a lot of a lot of uh, businesses are not regulated. OK, so if I'm a, I've seen this in my own town, if I am the cheap theater. OK, and hopefully theaters come back and we can all use them again. All right now I'm, I'm recording this when COVID's still a thing. I wish it would just go away so I could watch movies again. But, you know, the theater would give out a coupon to an ice cream place. So even though people would go to get popcorn and whatnot, but sometimes they want to extend their date or it'd be a local fun place that does laser tag that would give a deal for the theater and the theater would give a deal for the local fun place that does laser tag. There's just so many ways to do referral programs, to have strategic partners where you refer business back and forth or that you, you, um, you don't have to rely on a paid source or 
or maybe a controlled source such as social media or Google AdWords that you have a hard time comprehending how to do or work for your business. And or a reason I created this one page marketing plan is I just want you to know, like, if you don't have two or three sources of your business, you're completely reliant. And so I've seen this with my friends where they're using Amazon, getting tons of business, but then up comes cheap knockoff competitors that are crushing them. And Amazon's not giving them the tools they need to crush their competitors and say, oh, look, they're even stealing my images and they're not actually delivering that product, right? So don't be reliant on one source. Or if you are, just know that your business or the business you work for is, co is completely susceptible to a huge loss if that source goes out the window, right? And I, I love to take people to new markets, open new locations, uh, advertise on like Google AdWords, only their most profitable services, because uh, I can know, I know for a fact that the company that could afford to pay the most to acquire a customer always wins through a paid source, right? And so if you got your stuff together from your, your, your average sale to your your margins to your your marketing, um, and you've got several sources, uh, even offline stuff. You could do billboards, you could do radio, you could do Spotify radio, which I think is going to be extra good in the future. You can do direct mail, but just you need to measure it. And so that's what we're going to talk about here in a second is identity and dashboard. Okay, so now we're on to what's near and dear to my heart. With business identity, sometimes there are some other marketers that have done a good job of this. And I like the idea of a value ladder for you to understand, okay? How do I accelerate people up a value ladder, okay? And sometimes that's packages. Sometimes that's the low price offer, like my friend that was offering a $5 toilet cleaning. And then he's going to upsell them on the package of cleaning. He's going to have three options, you know, you can get, you know, once a month, twice a month, you know, four times a month. I, I don't know, right? Whatever his packages are going to be. I was really impressed. He's also, this This is this one really amazing friend. He's also starting a daycare and his wife is doing it with him. And she said, well, I want to sell some packages where it's not only the daycare, where that can be very price sensitive at times. It's also a date night package where you get once a month or once or every week where you can leave your kid there longer till like nine o'clock and you can go out on a date, you know, or there's certain days that that's available. The value ladder is that idea, right? And where most people spend their time marketing is on the middle of the road or their most expensive or most common offering. But if they shift that marketing down on the value ladder or create a more introductory offer, or a free offer or a cheap offer, and they spent their time marketing that, oftentimes the cost of their marketing goes down tremendously. And I know this isn't a local business, but I once worked for a company that did swimmable mermaid tails for girls. And they were safe. Trust me, they were safe. Uh, you could kick them off real quick in the pool, but they could look and feel and swim like a mermaid. And they had encroaching competition that was coming in and trying to steal their business below price, low offer. And I said, well, why don't we try giving away a, a doll mermaid tail cloth where they put it over the doll and now their doll looks and, and feels like a mermaid, right? And or they can be the same colors of all the other tails that people 
are wearing. I know this is a really unique or weird option, but it's one that I wanted to do and wasn't able to do. No longer with that company. It's been years now, so I'm past my non-disclosures. But wouldn't that be awesome for little girls to be able to get a free mermaid tail? Maybe they just have to pay shipping of $5. Most likely, they'd still profit a dollar or something off of that. But they can now get a whole huge number of, of people on Facebook. And Facebook says you have to be 16 of age or older, whatever. It's probably not regulated. But you can target all sorts of people with that offer on Facebook. And now you're getting people in for a $5 offer, which you can then either upsell them later or upsell them right then at the time that they're offering. You can give them a one-time offer saying like, okay, you're going to buy this swimmable, this doll tail, and we're giving you such a great price and you feel have these feelings of retroprocity because we're doing such a favor for you or such an affordable offer. How cool is this to be able to get five of these for stocking stuffers at Christmas time, for instance, right? To say, okay, now one-time offer 20% off only for this you know, usually a hundred or two hundred outfit dollar outfit for a girl, or you could have a package where it's like, okay, you can get a, uh, you can get the newest, coolest looking mermaid tail every month at thirty percent off, but you just have to subscribe for the whole year. Just think outside of the box, because now I can go to Facebook, I can advertise the free doll tail, and now I have all these people pouring in that are interested in mermaids. They're on my email list. I can market to them offline. And through my promotion and offer, I've created a unique identity for my brand. I can create a culture or community right around that. And you know, price may not necessarily be the biggest concern now that you're a member of this community or you know that their birthday is coming up in a month. You can send out an offer right then and there for their parents to see. Now there's, yeah, there's laws about contacting the kids. That's why I mentioned Facebook. It, it can help you help you get around some of those laws or whatnot. But if you think like that, then you now can make your offerings part of your business. I mentioned that brand in the past that that same day garage door, right? You can make it part of your business name even right or your slogan but most people that you know I've, i mentioned this a little bit with websites like make that uniqueness show on your website most people don't okay so they they don't pick good colors that match their brand or they don't have pictures of their staff or building or trucks they don't have pricing or promotions or they don't have videos uh that explain the common you know, frequently asked questions that people have or show them around the product or explain why ours is the only safe product and all our other competitors are like strapping a brick to your feet and putting them in the, the pool. They don't explain those things. They don't, they don't define the conversation around the purchasing, okay, so that people can decide on more than just price, okay? And I've noticed that that businesses that are bold and strong are not afraid of comparing themselves to their competitors. And in fact, they'll often put a comparison chart on their website that compares why you should choose us versus somebody else. Maybe it's not on every page. Maybe it's just a page with their competitor's name. And then when somebody searches their competitor's name, they send them to that page. Maybe it's, you know, or maybe it's further down on the page, 
but I think that's pretty awesome. Not only are you telling the customer, this is why we're better or different and why you should choose us. You're saying we're not even scared of mentioning our top competitors so that you can then decide between them and us for yourself and we can help guide that conversation. Okay, so that's identity. Now, dashboard, we've talked about it a bit before. I love using the tool CallRail or just Google's tool if you're doing Google ads. But CallRail, for instance, I can make the phone number on my website change if they click on a, an ad. So I can actually have a report at the end of the day saying, here's all the calls that came in from Google AdWords. Okay, um, then, then you just kind of basically track all the holes. You got to plug all the holes and then track them. Okay, so if your website's getting traffic from Google, making a different phone number show up if they came from Google Ads versus if they just came naturally would allow you to track those differences. Okay, and with Facebook, they'll give you a tracking pixel you can put on your website. Uh, I prefer like on Facebook for the most part to just take the contact information directly on Facebook, but you could take it on your website and track that they actually saw your ad and filled it out. No, everything is not completely perfect and everything kind of helps each other. So getting more reviews helps all of your sources of business and showing that off on your website is helpful, uh, increases what I call as conversion rate, the rate at which they take the action you ask them to, to take on your website, like fill out the form, adding the ability for them to text you might be harder to track, but if you can do it right, um, you can always ask them how they heard about you and that's not always very accurate, but for the most part, if you can attribute some good revenue and it's positive, uh, and you're getting positive return on your investment of time and money, then you're, there's some that's not being properly tracked that you, you will never be able to attribute, but you can say for the most part, this is something good and you can double down on what's working you can cut out what's not working in your marketing. And you can feel more confident when you expand into a new product or new category, a new location, um, or start a new business. You can say, I know I, I have a way to turn leads on or business on in a faucet. So, I've just mentioned some in the book and I give examples and with that um, cool formula that I have in the book, you can see how you can impact your bottom line by moving just things slightly and you can get a compounding effect by moving those things. Like I talked about on the website section where you're um, getting more people that see your ad or your website to take action, then you're getting your sales team to do a better job of getting them to take the next action and upselling them or providing more value. Maybe you're using that value ladder to move people naturally up to higher levels of service for more revenue. And I'm not saying you have to offer, you know, crazy expensive options on your value ladder, but if you don't ever offer something, you'll never know if it makes sense. Um, and if you just take it from that standpoint of I'm going to measure, I'm going to have a dashboard. I use Google data studio to clearly show things that I pull, like I'll pull the number of people that called or filled out the form by source, and I'll make a quick little simple dashboard from a Google sheet where I put in that, I say five calls, three form fillouts from Google ads, 10 calls from, or 10 form fillouts from SEO. I don't, I don't track my search engine optimization because I don't want to have different phone numbers on different directories or, you know, the, the like, but I could have a different phone number on a billboard or I could, you know, 
track things through Facebook. And then I, I, I create a simple dashboard to show that, but you could use Google Sheets or Excel and not actually have a dashboard or not actually have a graph showing you how your leads have increased or your cost per lead or your cost to acquire a customer or your lifetime value. Like you don't have to have it, but you can still measure some, some things basically and say, okay, you know, I, I understand that Google ads is one of my most expensive places to go, but it's also my highest, uh, you know, revenue source outside of referrals. So I'm going to continue doing it. Right. Cause then it's going to increase the number of reviews I get and, and more referrals. And it's going to be kind of like an engine like that. So it'll be like a money machine. I put a dollar in and of money and, and, you know, an hour in of time and I get out, you know, $50 on average. And so for every business, it will be different, but if you measure, you can, like I said, double down on what's working, cut out what's not, and you can, you know, try different things. And I know that might sound overwhelming for people, but most of the time, if you just go into it with these different categories, with the way I've mentioned it, you're going to do it 80% right in the first place. And you're going to see some money there and you're going to be able to hire somebody else to take it to the next level, or you're going to be able to devote more time to it and cut out what's not working. So I hope that kind of helps you understand marketing, the one page marketing plan, fixed marketing, the book. Once again, you can go get the book for free by going fixmarketer.com and just chatting me there and the automatic robot will share with you or fill out your email and it will share with you the book and you can read it for yourself. You can see examples and I'll probably be building out that podcast over time, maybe even some YouTube videos so that you can actually see on the screen what I'm doing. And I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this to give back just like I, I'm doing money for average Joe's. I want people to understand that this is this. You can take my 10 years of experience and you can, like I said, do it 80% right the first time. And it's not even that much time or money to get it done. The book's free, less than 200 pages. And now you've had somebody else tell you what numbers matter. What, how can you even you know, decide whether this would be successful before you start or not. And are you even close or way too far away? Um, because you can use those tools that I've created. You can use the one page marketing plan, just like I created a one page money plan. So you can visualize what you can try. You can understand those X factors that take it to the next level. So that, like I said, like in the example of reviews, every review you get, maybe it's impacting your search engine optimization um, you know, three times as much as, as your competitors, one review. So you may be getting less clients, but you're getting more reviews or your reviews matter more, or you're getting all of the above because you're getting more reviews than your competitor. And now you're starting to get more business than your competitor. And now every review is hitting even harder and your ads are hitting harder and you know, your efficiency's increased and your marketing is now a money-making machine, right? So Thanks for the opportunity of just listening to the last episode. I know this is the longest episode in the mix and you can tell I'm very passionate about this, but I hope you enjoyed it. Well, that's it. That's the last episode in the nine principles course with three bonuses. This is Jason Weaver with money for average Joe's go there for show notes and to see all this great stuff. Also, like I mentioned in the episode, fixmarketer.com chat me on there and you can get free access to the book by educating yourself and applying what you learned today. You'll gain new skills and have fun and have more money for when it matters most. 
Please take the time to subscribe and share something you learned with others. And just note this show is for general education purposes. I am merely a financial coach. I'm not a certified advisor or planner. I've also not reviewed your unique situation for, you know, so I can't give you personal financial advice or marketing advice, but I just want you to know that, you know, what you learned today might spark some interest or help you go down the right path to know what to do. Hope you have a good day and I will see you later.